Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this, of course, as always, is my co-host. And my name is Chris Huddleston. And tonight, we are going to be talking to you about a real humdinger of a film, Life Force. From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. I'm getting a very small radar cross-section. 150 miles long. EGR's confirmed. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. In the tale of Haley's Comet, there's something wrong. Something ancient. Something evil. Jesus. Houston, we have a problem. Something's happening to me. Something hungry that's brought to Earth. She's destroyed worlds. That girl was no girl. She was totally alien to this planet and our life form. And totally dangerous. I just found a body in Hyde Park. Life Force. Close your eyes. Visited you how? In my mind. Let it go! It's already spreading. You didn't stop it, it's too late. With me. Life Force. The terror has just begun. Okay. There we go. Life Force. Now, do you have a synopsis for us? You were saying it might I, not be Yeah, it won't be real polished. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wing it, give a little uh description of what happened. So uh Life Force is a 1985 movie directed by Toby Hooper. And it starts out with a group of, um, it's an American and British astronaut team who go up in a space shuttle and they are, I guess, to observe Halley's Comet, uh, which people who are our age will remember Halley's Comet because it was a big deal in 1985. Younger people, you know, probably have never heard it, but it comes around what every seventy-six years or seventy-two years or something like something that. Something like that. Anyway, so they're up to observe that. They see a spacecraft. They enter the spacecraft, and within it, they find there are these big bat-like creatures. But also, they find three uh, humanoids. They find two men and a woman, and they bring. Uh, these aliens on board the spacecraft. And then the... Uh, uh, good, good idea, number one. Good idea, number one. Always do that. Um, and then they, one by one, they uh, the crew starts to die to where there's only one guy back uh, left, which is uh, Colonel Tom Carlson, played by Steve Railsback. Um, he tries to basically burn the ship uh, because he knows, you know, this is bad news, what's happening. They send another shuttle up to rescue this one. And of course that shuttle then takes 
the aliens back to Earth. And the uh, the colonel had at one point at some point he jettisons out and lands in Texas. Right. You're, this is this synopsis uh, is going a little. We don't find all this out in this sequence. In yeah, the some of it is flashbacks. You know, he, and, he shows up later, and then he explains it, and then it turns out he wasn't telling them the whole truth. So we find it out in bits and pieces throughout the movie. Right. So eventually, what we find out is the these aliens are. They describe them as uh, vampires. I think they're almost more. Um, the main one is the female, which literally in the in the credits is called Space Girl. Um, but they refer to her as a vampire. Not, not, to, and, not to put too fine a point on it. Exactly, yeah. Um, and she's, I think of it more as like a succubus, because basically she, big spoiler alert, she's naked for right. the entirety of the right. movie, basically. As she usual, said, we're going to spoil everything. So yeah, yeah, this is big, big spoiler. Uh, she kind of seduces men, and then when she gets close to them, she sucks their life force out. Um, and it's kind of not exactly explained, but then so they're in London, uh, and um, the when they suck the life force out, then they become kind of zombies and then they can suck the life force out of other people. And it's spreading like a virus essentially. And the Colonel, he has a psychic link to the space girl or the space vampire. So he knows what's going on and kind of, we can kind of get into what the, the rest of it is, but the rest of the movie is basically these, vampires or kind of these zombie like creatures are just taking over everything. And, um, it's, uh, the Steve rails back. And then another, a British Colonel, Colonel Colin Kane played by Peter Firth, who they are trying to stop what's happening. Right. I don't know. So, um, yes, there, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this movie. I think the broad bumper sticker version of it is space vampires. They mm-hmm. don't drink blood. They drink your energy, your life force. Exactly. the title. Um, um, but there's a ton of minutiae, which we will get into. You wanted to start first because you Yeah, because I have, cause I've, I've, I have some background. Yeah, I have some background on this, on this movie. So I'll just start out by saying I really like this. I like life force a lot. It's... I think it's viewed as I think it's it's gained kind of a cult classic status over the years, but it's also, you know, I think viewed as a bad movie, which I don't necessarily think is the case. There's some definitely some cheesy things about it, but this is vastly better than something like uh, Johnny Mnemonic, which we watched a few weeks ago or Kill and Kill Again, which was our last. Agreed. (laughs) You know, it's competently directed. The acting is good. Um, I think the fact that you have a lot of you have a lot of British actors in it. Uh, Patrick Stewart is in this in a pretty small role, but this was probably pre Picard. Patrick Stewart, definitely. Uh, but you know, just kind of right before, because what was that? Maybe this is eighty five. What was Picard? Maybe like eighty six, eighty seven, something like I that. I don't remember. I don't know. I said but, that so confidently, but I, I yeah. honestly, I don't remember. But he's a little he's a little different in this. It's not the you know, he's kind of a stern Patrick Stewart. Um, but uh, the background that I had, so this is directed by Toby Hooper, who is most famous for, he directed uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
And he also maybe directed Poltergeist. There's a, that's been an ongoing controversy. He He's officially was the director of Poltergeist, but there are people that say that uh, Steven Spielberg actually directed the movie, that there were cocaine issues on the set and Steven Spielberg had to take over, blah, blah, blah. He produced the movie. Spielberg did. Um, and basically off of the success of Poltergeist, Toby Hooper signed a three picture deal with Canon pictures. So, um, this was the first, and then I think he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and invaders from Mars. But basically this movie bombed. Um, but the things that are good about this, you have, I believe it's John Dykstra, who worked on the original Star Wars movie, um, handled the special effects. And some of the effects in this are great. And some of the effects in this are not great. The, I think the opening, I think the opening when they, so the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie is them finding the ship and they go inside. It's very, oh, another thing that I need to add into this because it's very alien-like, uh, Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the script for the original Alien, wrote the script for this. Um, so they go into the ship, and I thought the design of that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, when they find the space girl and the space boys or spacemen or whatever, they're in these kind of crystal, you know, coffins, I guess. That was really cool. But later in the movie, when um, they, like when the life is sucked out of the people and they turn into basically kind of like a corpse, a a skeleton, you know, that uh, a body where just like all the moisture has been drawn out of it, basically, that stuff doesn't look too great. And then at the end of the movie, when you get to the end and it's just kind of pandemonium where there's just people running around attacking each other. And a lot of that looks like um, just like they're wearing Halloween masks or something. Yeah. So I think there's some cool ideas here. So like, for example, I had seen this before, but I'd forgotten a lot. But early on, I was thinking, uh, you know, they find the space girl and she's this beautiful, you know, naked woman and she has makeup on. And I was thinking, why does the alien have makeup? Well, they explain later that when the Colonel finds her, she has tapped into her, his psyche and found, you know, the ultimate, uh, image of desire for him. Basically she's, she can make herself look like anything and she's, uh, created the ultimate, woman for him basically so that would explain right. you know the makeup what, and all the, that. yeah the, the the sort of pinnacle of female desire yeah. as it occurs in his mind and that's what she becomes exactly so i think that's a really cool that's a cool idea and i think there are a lot of good ideas in this movie and again i think it's competently directed the stuff with whether or not toby hooper directed poltergeist I think you can see some poltergeist influence 
in this Absolutely, with a yeah. lot of the uh, lighting and everything, the lighting effect, you know, it's very mid eighties as far as, as that goes. I think the only, where the only problem lies for me is I think it's a little too ambitious for the budget that they had. I would agree so, with that. So what do you, what do you think? I, I would agree with all of that. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I can see why it wasn't a smash at the box office. Um, I There was a lot of really great stuff, and there was a lot of really weird stuff, and I don't say that disparagingly, mm-hmm. uh, but there was stuff that was just like, okay, I, I need to pick a thing and, and drill into it. I, I also th- I, I thought it started really, really strong. I love the design yeah. of that spaceship. It's like a long... Um, it's a long needle shape, sort of reminiscent of the thing in, um, in 2001, Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, yeah. I never thought about that, but you're right. And then at one end, it's got these kind of bat wing, you know, little claw things that they discover later open up like an umbrella. And it's just mm-hmm. this really interesting design. It's a really creepy, you know, vampire space vampire-looking design. Um that doesn't make a lot of sense if you stop and parse it too much, but you don't, and you just kind of go with it. It just and looks one cool. Of I, one of yeah, one of the things I love about the opening is it gets right to it. Like mm-hmm. they don't spend a lot of dawdle time. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we we're up, we, we there's not a launch. There's no there there. We start in the space shuttle when they're like we're we're approaching the thing, and they're like, whoa, there's an object in there. I mean, we get right into it. And they make a series of stupid sci-fi movie decisions. Like <laughs> the first one is we're going to go on board it. Right. And they're, but they try to call down, but they can't, there's interference from the comet or whatever, and they can't. So right from the beginning, there's this sort of a spell that kind of comes over them. That is very much deliberate and, and you get the sense they're drawn to it. Right. And the one guy goes, this first mate says, what do you want to do? And the captain says, I want to go check it out. You know, this thing isn't going to come around again for 76 years or whatever it is. And we'll be dead by then. And I, you know, I'm basically, he's, I'm too curious, you know, so they go on board and then they start deciding they're going to take specimens of stuff back to their ship, which right away you're kind of like, are there no quarantine? I guess if you've never made first contact, but it just seems to defy common sense. Mm-hmm. But the first thing they find is is completely desiccated. Like the guy reaches out to touch one of its fingers or claws or whatever, and it literally it snaps, snaps right off. off. It's, yeah. it's dead. It's definitely dead. But then when they find the other figures – the decision to bring them back to the ship, you you really see the effect that these figures have on the people that encounter them. Like they're they're they even say they're like, "Wow, what's that? What's happening to me?" Right? You know, they they're like stupefied. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that spackles over that a little bit. You're like, "Why would they do?" Oh well, you know, there's this sort of a psychic you know spell that gets put on them. They, you know, when they when they so then they scramble the second ship and the second ship gets up there and they find everything totally burnt except the cases are intact. So they take the cases on board, not knowing anything about the ship, right? So what they, what they find are these kind of three crystal cases that apparently have people in them. Mm -hmm. 
And you could say, well, maybe they're aliens, but they've not, they haven't gotten any transmission from the shuttle, you know, warning them. They haven't, the, the entire shuttle is completely burnt to a crisp on the inside. So they can't like load up the computers. Right. So there, there aren't any red flags other than like, what the heck is this? Where, you know, mm-hmm. so you're, you, you're kind of like, um, um, okay. Step two, they bring them back down to earth. Once they're on earth and once we start like, and we pretty, pretty quickly figure out like she wakes up and she sort of sucks the life force out of a guy and there's a lot of blue lightning. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's very poltergeisty, very yeah. uh, ghostbustery, like big swoops, big sort of of light, sort of blue lightning esque energy swirling around. So once we once we were like, oh, gotcha, life force, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she kind of gets away, and I think it's a pretty good sequence when they're like they're smug and they're like, no, oh, what. Uh, what did you say? It sounded like you said she wasn't wearing any clothes. I was like, yeah. that's right. She's extremely dangerous. I was like, oh, okay, Sarge. And you're like, will you do your job and take this seriously? <laughs> but there's a couple of entertaining scenes where she's kind of walking around and, and incapacitating. She can sort of shoot energy bolts. It's kind of like she's got psionic powers or something. Um, And she's com- not a stitch of clothes on her, right? Mm-hmm. So she's completely naked. And I thought, I thought that was really interesting because she is, she's definitely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a, you know, gorgeous body and gorgeous face. And uh, her name is Matilda May. She was a, a French actress. But there is also something really creepy about her too, which I thought was what kind of made the whole thing so effective. Um, is she, she there's something definitely inhuman about her right when she and just it, moves around very slowly and de- deliberately you know there's no she's not running or any there's no fear in her right and but but to me it's sort of like you'd think like there is something titillating about it because she is so attractive right seeing mm-hmm. um I commented to, to you, obviously, when we played the trailer, the viewers, the listeners here can't see it, but it's on YouTube. And, you know, their nudity, her nudity is right there in the trailer. On yeah, I'm YouTube. not sure where that would have been shown. If I don't know I don't if that's a new like, trailer that somebody made or what. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not like logged in as an adult or anything. I think I'm just on the open Internet. I think it's just mm-hmm. YouTube. But it's. For I guess where I'm going with this is for as attractive as she is, there is something asexual about it too. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like lascivious. It it feels creepy, like Mm -hmm. really like otherworldly. And I think that is one of the great successes of the film is that they get it both ways. They get like the first time you see her, you're a little bit like. Hey, 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 gorgeous. But then almost immediately you notice like, oh, and there's the kind of like, you know, you Mm -hmm. the spell of of and then she's like and sucks all that blue electricity out of your face. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I guess where it goes from there is there are those three originals, right? There are those three original space 
vampires, and they're all, they're down on Earth. They can suck life force out of people. When that person gets killed by it, then basically they turn into this kind of mummified remains. Two hours later, they kind of wake right back up, right? And and if there's someone around that they can <laughs> nab and and suck the energy out of, they kind of come back. And we see this happen, and it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of zombie movie element of it is this this viral thing that you look dead then you wake up and 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 then you can suck the energy out of somebody else you're not really yourself anymore right that is that sort of what you got to is you're yeah. just kind of alive again and you're looking for your next energy yeah up. they don't seem to speak or anything like that they're just kind of they're kind of like zombies they're kind of like zombies and and then after a couple of hours you know you need to suck someone else's energy out or you just get desiccated again and they also learn that if you don't get your fix you kind of explode into dust mm-hmm. you know there's a sort of a very violent thrashing of like in but Obviously, we're concerned that this is going to spread rapidly and there's not going to be anybody left, right? So mm-hmm. it gets really complicated from that point. You're like, well, what about the three original people? Well, they can take different – they can inhabit other people's bodies, right? Mm-hmm. They can control those people's bodies, I think. I wasn't 100% clear about that. No. Or not. Or just kind of right. But they can also take the shape of someone else. So, like, they realize that the brunette is not the brunette anymore. She's a blonde now. But we're not sure, like, if she's just in there along for a ride with the brunette. Can you explain this to me? I I didn't understand for sure myself either. Right. So, so, so there's, and they, and she, we see her, her blast a couple of guys with this sort of a flash of light, and the guy goes, ah, goes flying back down the stairs and stuff. So they have a lot of not clearly defined abilities. Mm-hmm. And we sort of piece it together like, okay, wait, well, you can kill him, but it's got to be with iron covered in something. I don't know, you know, and not in the heart through the energies. It's like there's it's a just, whole... just below the heart. Yeah. But you very quickly, you retain some of these key things because they come back around. But I never got a clear picture of exactly what these things could and couldn't do. Whether or not the one they thought they would killed was actually dead. Right? I mean, I mm-hmm. was just... I The overall arc of beginning to end and how the movie ended was clear to me. But it lost me pretty rapidly after she gets loose in terms of what's happening. And a certain degree of that is okay because the main characters don't know either. So right. they're trying to play catch up and piece things together with us. So it works. But then it turns out that the captain that found it at one point, they have a kind of connection. She didn't kill him, right? Mm-hmm. She needs to take a piece, like a, a piece of somebody's essence inside of her to become that species right so when they found humans she needed to bond with one of these humans and then but then later she says you're one of us right it's kind of like you've always been one of us yeah and i'm like is that literally or figuratively like 
was he just first contact, so he's always special to you, and now you're bonded? Or are you saying that he's actually a space vampire and he's been living on Earth? And if so, then a million other questions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they say that they there's a point where he says they've been here before, you know, um, but we don't get a lot of information about that. And I don't know. I guess we'll stick on the main plot line for a minute. So we get down to the end and all of these um, sort of energy zombies are like, you know, it happens in London and they're all running around. It's mayhem in the streets. And there are these huge sort of swooshes of the blue light swirling around and then periodically shooting up into space. And it turns out that she's in this, I guess it's a cathedral or somewhere, Mm -hmm. is channeling all of this and it's sending it back up to the ship. So there's this beam of blue light going up to the umbrella ship. And she's, they're not, it's not just all the people, you know, kind of haphazardly. It's a it's a harvest, right? We it's not just that. Oh, she sucks mm-hmm. the life force, and then there's a problem. They become no. It's somehow she's gathering all of this up and sending it up to her ship. So we're not sure whether the captain is wants to stop her or wants to join her. He doesn't seem to know himself. He seems drawn to her. We finally end up finding her, and they get there. And the way he ends it is he joins her, right? And they're embracing. And then the other guy is trying to get his attention. And he reaches up his hand. And he drops down the sort of, I don't know, magical blade or whatever the heck it is. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that the other guy, God, it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a sword that they'll do the trick. And he sticks it through both of them. Yeah himself and her he sticks it through her back and then all the way through till it comes out so he kills them both ending it question mark except for what about all the other people that are you know that infection's out of hand or does it just stop now that they're you know we don't know we don't know yeah so I'll say again, like I enjoyed it. I had fun watching this movie. Yeah, I, I think if I had a bought bought a ticket for it in the in a in a theater, I would have walked out sort of scratching my head, being like, I don't know. But watching it on HBO or whatever it was on, I had a thoroughly good time, mm-hmm. especially compared to some of the other ones. I loved the performances. Oh, sure. I don't. It, it was weird that it's like it's part British and part American. You don't. Like the the first guy's American, everyone else is sort of British, but I don't know. Did it feel weird that it was British to you? Or was it a British film? Uh, no, I think it, I mean it was an American film as as far as I know, because Canon I think was an American company, but I don't know. But but like I say, I think that all those British actors, I think I said it maybe before, but they kind of lend it a a bit of credibility. I think maybe if those all would have been like, you know, Americans from Texas or something, it would have been a lot hokier, but they, them just kind of delivering these lines in their very British uh, way. You know what I mean? Did you feel that at all that it made it seem a little bit more serious? Yeah. There was, they brought a gravitas to it. Yeah. Gravitas. That's the word. Yeah, exactly. Some of the dialogue was, 
it was really strange. And it wasn't like sometimes when I'm watching a movie and the dialogue feels weird is I try and imagine what that dialogue would have looked like on the page. And I'm like, well, who wrote that line? Because that line on paper is a strange sounding line. Like mm-hmm. nobody, so it'd be hard pressed as an actor to deliver that line in a way that felt natural because the line doesn't seem like something someone would naturally say. In this one though, the, it's, the lines themselves weren't wrong, but there was something strange, just sort of flat in the delivery. Like they're up in the spaceship and he's like, what do you make of it? We've tried to call them, sir, and there's no answer. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, are you bored? I mean, can I get you a sandwich? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like there's, it's an alien ship, man. Don't you, you know what I mean? To, yeah. To, yeah. That's it a good was point. Weird. And then, and then you're used to seeing this sort of British stiff upper lip in the face of a crisis where, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is a general or something. He's not hysterical. He's just the opposite, you know, and you can tell he's mm-hmm. invested and concerned and this is deadly serious, but one doesn't panic in such times. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of that in this movie too. But it, I don't I don't know how to put my finger on it. It's this blend of the odd and the frantic and the British. And it doesn't really feel like London, right? I mean, they have these exteriors that feel like a soundstage. A lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it sets. You can tell. Um, and yeah, I think mostly when of, they're outside, it sets. It, it's not, I'm not bad mouthing anyone in particular. I'm not bad mouthing the actors. It just doesn't quite come together. And then mm-hmm. I think the effects of the crazy blue stuff swooping around does feel so dated mm-hmm. to us now that maybe when we saw it in 85, we would have been like, oh, cool. And now you're kind of like, please, it's kind of a cheap looking effect, you know? And the zombies that the, are actual animatronics, they're not puppets. They are robots mm-hmm. that their eyes kind of roll and their mouths go, you know what I mean? And 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 they, their arms kind of lurch. And they look they look fine, but there's something about that remote, that robotic. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they look like robots. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like a desiccated man. It looks like a robot. And the thought I had was, oh, yeah, I wish they'd have just done a puppet. Mm -hmm. I wish they'd have figured out a way to do it as a puppet because that would have been, I think, even cooler. Yeah. You know, I mean, I whatever. I'm supposed to be, I have thrills of terror when I see that thing and I don't. I'm like, you just kind of laugh at that robot. Yeah. Yeah. I I would have to. Inadvertently funny. I would have to guess, so I was just looking, uh, I checked Box Office Mojo, and it's always hard to get budget information on these older films, but it only made, uh, it made a little under $12 million total. Um, what was the budget? That's that's the thing. I couldn't, I couldn't find the budget uh. for it. So I don't think it was real high, but I kind of wonder, you know, you watch that opening stuff and it looks so good. I wonder if they kind of blew a lot of their budget on those opening scenes and then because you get into the later stuff and, and it, you know, doesn't look too great. There's a scene in the very end when they go to the cathedral and the British uh, colonel, who I really like that guy's performance. I think yeah. he does a really good job, but he has the sword because he's taken it to the guy, you know, to kill her. And when he 
he gets in there and there's this kind of sea of bodies all over the steps. And one of the male, uh, the space boy or whatever is at the top of the stairs and he runs up and stabs him with the sword. And he turns from, I guess their real form is like, they're a big bat basically. I think that the spaceship that they found these desiccated critters, I think that is their true form. Yeah. Yeah. And that those three were the only ones left alive. Right. Ages of sort of traveling in space and not having anyone to eat. Yeah. So he stabs the sword through the guy and he turns into the giant uh, bat creature and he's flapping his wings around and it just doesn't look very good at all. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. So, again, that's that's where I think you get into the kind of, uh, you know, I think their ambition for what they were trying to do. They just didn't quite have the money for it. Well, that and conceptually there was a whole lot going on, right? It, mm-hmm. it is a, it is alien. We find an alien spacecraft, right? But they are vampires. So there's this whole giant bat thing, right? That they're doing and the sucking of the energy force and the sort of eroticism of the vampire. You know, vampires are always supposed to be sort of seductive and attractive and there's something sexual about the way that they bite your neck and there's an ecstasy to it, right? Um, so... All that goes in the vampire thing, and then the form they take is actually a hideous kind of bat-like creature. That's very gothic, and the way you kill it is with this, the old way, right? But Mm -hmm. you got to stake them, basically. And and then there's this sort of um, James Bond kind of thing. I mean, it's it's an outbreak movie. It's like you know that's classified. We can't, you know. Not on an open channel. And mm-hmm. There's all of that. Them trying to chase it down while the world's falling apart, and only these few guys can like race, chase down the clues. And oh, it's she's hiding. She's in disguise, right? So there's those elements to the film. And then there's the professor. There's the one guy who's like the he he's the sort of occult um, expert, right? I mean, he's like. I've made it to, to study death, right? And he's mm-hmm. the guy that figures out how to kill them. And so there's that kind of Indiana Jonesy um, little streak of it too. Like there's the one expert who, you know, it's not too crazy to posit. In fact, this is what I've been working on, right? Mm-hmm. I think they've been here before, right? To tie it literally back to vampire legends and, and bring it around, which you didn't have to do that. Um, and... I feel like there was a, yet another one I was trying to do too. But even if you just take that, the space, it's an alien invasion. Oh, zombies. So then the, then, then there's the element of the, um, the outbreak thing sort of tips over into the zombie thing when you're out in the streets of quote unquote London. And it's uh, just mayhem of people running around, pouncing on each other. And instead of eating their flesh, sucking the energy out of them. Right. And others mm-hmm. that have already, and them getting up and, and, um, and having to make your way through this throng of not quite human. I mean, they're essentially zombies. It's a zombie outbreak scene and you're downtown during a zombie outbreak scene. So you got the vampire movie with all of the Gothic and the erotic and the occultist stuff. You've got the zombie thing in terms of like having to navigate a densely populated area and the collapse of humankind to this spreading outbreak. You've got uh, aliens from space and some kind of unknown technology and, and thing going on there. And then it's all strung together with this kind of um, 
thriller spy thing where guys with specialized access are trying to, you know, put it all together and, 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 and solve it before the, before the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that, wow, this has been a big monologue. (laughs) I just don't think that that soup works. I don't, I don't think it worked in this case. I don't, that's just a lot to take on in a single movie. I think they did a remarkable job of it. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't bored. I didn't turn it off. No, it's a, it's entertaining as hell. I mean, I was confused (laughs) several times, but then I was kind of like, okay, well here we go. Cause the thing just barrels on. Yeah. Right. It doesn't ever, there's not a scene where you, you go like, Oh, why are they blah, 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 blah. Now they're talking about, you know, trade disputes in the mining guild or something. No, it's just, it just clips right along. And I think it's only like an hour and a half, maybe hour 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, which is awesome. Like it just shabam, you mm-hmm. hit the ground running and then it, it's over and you're like, wow, that was crazy. But, but I'm not sure that stitching all of those things together, it was very ambitious. I'm not sure they pulled that off. Yeah. The two things kind of distract, four things, they all kind of distract from each other. And you need a big budget to do the zombie outbreak stuff effectively. I I didn't, it wasn't just their makeup, which looked lazy. The lighting looked lazy, right? There were just sort of strobes going off left Mm -hmm. and right. It seemed like, okay, so there's a lot of this light, you know, every time there's a, so we need a lot of flashing lights and okay, now you... You three over here, you're kind of rolling around doing something. I mean, the, the choreograph, uh, the choreographer just seemed, it seemed like it was really loose shot to shot. And if you focus in on any single one of the zombies, they're just kind of like rah, 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 flailing their arms around or the ones on the ground kicking their arms and legs and the others kind of, you know, moving its head around on their chest. And it's just kind of like. You now, almost wonder if that it almost feels like that stuff was maybe like second unit. You yeah. know, direct because the yeah. you know the the scenes Poorly. where you're inside a a building or a hospital or something like that, those are really well directed. I mean, they're well yeah. shot and, yeah. and everything. So, yeah, a one hundred percent second unit, and I think I think poorly. Mm-hmm. That's either inexperience or low budget or both. Yeah, but I think when you see it really well done, you could focus in on any you know that that woman sprinting across her yard, you know, being chased by that guy, both of those extras have at least a story, right? She's running from somewhere to somewhere, right? The zombie has made choices about what damage has happened to his body. Like he's got a bad left leg because she hit him with a bat or whatever. And it doesn't need to be too much more specific than that because you, you're not supposed to be watching them. You're supposed to be watching you know, the girl in the foreground singing or, 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 you know, or, or Carl, you know, trying to help his dad. Mm -hmm. But, but if you do, if you do look at them, there's something specific going on, right? I mean, we don't know that story, but we get to see a bit of it in the background. And if they have at least that much detail and someone is paying attention to them and they run it once, great. Yeah. Just like that, you know? Mm -hmm then then your peripheral vision, I think, picks that up and it just lends the whole thing an air of authenticity. And if it's vague, like it was in this film, I feel like it just feels like 
Meanwhile, outside and the all you get is this kind of white visual white noise of a bunch of activity, you know, and everyone seems to have sort of tattered business wear, (laughs) just very generic. Um, And that sort of stinks because I think that the goal of that part of the movie was supposed to land how dire the stakes were. Like literally it has spread, it got out of the box and now, you know, in a matter of days, we're going to see the uh, entire collapse of humanity, right? It spreads so fast and it's such a big disaster. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to get that. And he's running through the streets, you know, trying to stay on task while he's taking in, oh my God, you know, we're all on the brink of extinction here. And it it doesn't land that. I mean, you get it. It tells the story. You're like, oh, okay, I see what they're telling me here, but I don't feel anything mm-hmm. from that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what? I, I was thinking of a good bit watching this, and I'd never really kind of made this connection before. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's basically this same story. But just stripped down, you know, because it's she yeah, it's very similar. goes around, she seduces men, she sucks the life force out of them. There's no know. infection. There's no. Um, yeah, there's not the whole uh, viral you know, kind of apocalypse thing about it. They're here on Earth operating, preying on us. But yeah, but they could have they could have done a similar thing with this movie and had it stripped down and not have, you know, just pandemonium in in London and all that, because really kind of the the more interesting parts are, are with her, you know, going around and, um, yeah, you well, know, in, so they could still context. have that almost as almost like a slasher movie or something where she's going kind of from, you know, man to man or whatever. And she's just one step ahead of them and they're trying to catch her or whatever, you know, in, in, in contrast to my, my criticism of the sort of apocalyptic zombie spread element the seduction element of her bond with the kind of one person we discover has a chance of actually stopping her. Mm-hmm. That is super effective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, she, he, he has nightmares or sort of visions of her in his sleep and he wakes up screaming and it was, it's like blood curdling screaming, like great little bit of acting there where yeah. there's a shot of him sort of soaked in sweat as he's tossing and turning on his bed. And then, we see the dream and the dream and we see him sweating and then we see the dream and it comes to a, a head and he, it cuts back to him and he sits bolt upright and he just screams. And we've seen that uh, shot many times in many films, but in this one, I mean, he just, it's it really sells it. Like he just, <laughs> You know, they can't calm him down. And you're it's just the intensity of it. Uh, really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and his, he wants to stop her and he is horrified by the killing that she's doing, but he is also, and we fear equally, if not more so drawn to her and yeah. connected to her. And they, they thought that is so effective in this movie. And she doesn't have a lot to say. She does speak. She doesn't have a lot to say, but in the scenes where she is acting uh, something other than the sort of flat uh, affect, uh, it's very understated, 
and very and alien in that way. But it is this kind of like come to me, but you know, be with me, and it's very potent, mm. you know. And 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 conversely, his reaction shots and like where you can see him sort of fighting it because he just so desperately wants to give into it. But there's a part of him that's resisting still, and I just think those elements of the movie, which are the more important, are rock solid. You yeah, know, those are so well done and so effective that that's what makes the movie a success. I just kind of wish that, I think if the other elements had been able to stand up to that kind of level, that kind of quality, then the whole thing would have been even better. Yeah, it would be, if 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 all the rest had come together, it would be kind of an 80s, you know, sci-fi classic, really. Uh, and I was thinking about that, after, you know, I thought about it a good bit after watching a movie, just that idea of a being or an alien that could become whatever your ideal person is. Could anyone resist that? You know, that's a pretty scary thought. If you think about that, that something could create exactly what is the ideal, uh, right. you know, object right. of desire for you. Nobody could resist that. It'd, it'd be pretty much impossible. You know, there was a moment. I'm um, just to jump back to the, like the uh, we could we don't have any idea what the actual scope of their powers is. They were on a helicopter, and there's a moment where two of the bodies, one of them's Patrick Stewart, and one of them's another guy, start sort of hemorrhaging blood out of mm-hmm. their eyes and nose and ears and mouth, and the blood kind of comes together in the middle of the ship, and she sort of starts to coalesce out of the blood. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty cool scene. That that effect was good. You're like, wait, what is happening? (laughs) I just don't... It's not well-defined at all. So she can do that, too? You're just kind of like, wait, but but she's not here. She's at the cathedral focusing all the... Do you know what I mean? So the whole Mm -hmm. thing is just... There's a lot of cool stuff that you you're hard pressed to get your head around. Um, ah, I don't know. I'm and like you said, that. it kind of moves so quickly that it's almost like, uh, yeah, we're not going to give you much time to think about that. This doesn't make any sense. Cause we're going to move <laughs> on to the next thing. You know? right. Well, the helicopter pilot looks back and sees this sort of coalescing blood, be- you know, and he starts screaming and loses control of the copter, which starts flying. You know what I mean? It's like, you think, well, that would happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things about sci-fi movies that bother me sometimes is people don't respond in a way, they respond in the way that people in movies respond, but they don't necessarily respond in a way that makes you feel like a human being who witnessed that would either freeze in terror, yeah. right? Or they would they would lose their mind. Like if they could get their head around it, they would freak out, you know? And sometimes it's just a couple in the park and they're like, oh, and they kind of jump back and you're like, come on, you, you would, you know, be totally in shock. You'd lose control of your pals. Mm. You'd, you know, you'd fall down or you'd run for your lives. You'd, you'd leave your shoes behind. You ran away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this really felt like it was full of moments where people witnessed something and, and had an appropriately, you know, uh, response you know, a human response to that. Whoa, did that just happen? So run, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And the two guards start shooting. The guys come out and the two guards start shooting them and they're, you know, they're not particularly aiming very well. They're just kind of spraying bullets everywhere. And 
that's effective too because they're guards guards the first guards that die they're either too scared or they're too cool and these guys felt right on the money like really scared and still doing their job you know not that it makes a difference for the first guards anyway the first guards always yeah are fodder red shirts yeah <laughs> um okay well what else i mean i we're we're at three quarters of the way through here but i feel like we ought to do, you know, we ought to do Under the Skin because yeah, that's not from our childhood, but that is a, mm-hmm. that's a little movie. That's a Scottish movie, right? I saw that. Yeah, that's Scottish from 2013. I saw that last year in Salem, Massachusetts at Halloween time at a festival. And then they did a live, um, there's a podcast that I like that's called um, Faculty of Horror. And it's these two Canadian women women. Who they, it's once a month uh, podcast, and each month they do, they dissect a horror movie from an academic standpoint. So they, it was really cool because they showed the movie. They actually, it was a double bill of that and John Carpenter's The Thing, which I'd never mm. seen in the theater, which was super cool to see in the theater. But then they did a live um, recording of the podcast. Uh, where they 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 didn't talk about the thing they just talked about under the skin but um uh yeah it's 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 a really good movie i don't know where i'm going with this but um but yeah gotta, that's we one talk about we it now but we ought to do that one because there's a lot to talk about yeah I yeah thought that's it, a, I thought that it's was a very different because it's a very yeah it's a very uh it's kind of like the art house version of this film um yeah yeah it's incredibly um very it's bleak creepy and i found it very upsetting but there's it's not like there's a bunch of jump scare stuff it's just no and and there's no protagonist do you know i mean you you we follow her and it's scarlett johansson so you're you know we're sort of inured to root for her but She's not really a protagonist in the movie. No. Anyway, well, we're we're in danger of talking about that now. So we had um so uh, just to quickly summarize, I think a thumbs up from both of us. Yeah, that I it's a it's very entertaining. I mean the uh you know, I think the only things maybe that could be turn-offs to people is just kind of the hokey effects and then the it's funny the uh you know, we've talked before about uh, the reputation that a lot of eighties movies have with gratuitous nudity, mm-hmm. but it tends to be, you know, like it's the teen comedy and it's, you know, they do some lingering shots of girls in the locker room or whatever, but this is the space girl is just full on fully nude for probably a good 20 or 30 minutes in the movie, you know? So it's a little bit, I don't know. Again, it's one of those things where I don't really know how the ratings work or how they worked then. Is there a level of nudity that they like an amount that if it goes beyond that, but it's just like, it's just, you know, it's a little bit jarring at first because you're not used to just like, Oh, this is this woman just walking around fully naked. Right. But I feel like, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a computer. It's a board of people Mm -hmm. that make the, the, the decision. Well, what was this rated? It was rated R. R. Yeah. So, I mean, no surprise there, but it doesn't, you know, it's not shot in a titillating way and it's not performed in a titillating way. She is 
gorgeous. And that's part of the, that's part of it. Like you just stand, you, you know, I say you stand there. I was sitting when I watched the movie, but the, you know, and it happens to the people in the movie, like the people in the movie, you stand there for a minute and you're just struck by her loveliness and her nudity. But then she turns her eyes on you and, and you know, you, you, it's chilling because she doesn't seem quite human. And it's just a really nice performance. It's subtle. But I think that because it's not Animal House or Porky's. Yeah. Um, the nudity just has, you know, she's walking around literally like an alien in some new form. Like there's no sense of propriety or impropriety in her performance. It's just... Oh, now I am on the planet now. Uh, you know, and and when when people see her, it's to her advantage right. for them to be sort of stunned by her. So it works. Yeah, it really and makes it's sense. And when she's trying to disappear, that she starts wearing clothes because I think yeah. she realizes this is attention grabbing and yeah. that's not ideal in if I'm trying to hide. It really makes sense in the context of the movie because it's like, why does the alien need to have clothes? Because the whole thing is just cut to the chase. I'm going to suck the life out of you. And you know what I mean? The uh, And there's not much we can do to stop it. Yeah. I mean, we can run, but time and time again, we see it's usually a man is sort of smitten standing there. Even when they know she's the bad guy, you know, at first it's like, oh, there she is, you know, but then they're sort of struck. This is vampire stuff. Then they're sort of struck, hypnotized. And that's kind of, that just walks towards them, you know, and it, the form it takes is, is a kiss really, but she doesn't always put her mouth on their mouth. She just puts her like, like she's going to inhale their breath. And then there's a lot of lightning going back and forth. And that kind of goes along with what you were saying of, you know, if you saw the, like the, the, the the thing that happened on the helicopter, you know, you would be totally stunned. Well, kind of in the same way, you know, particularly for a man, if just a beautiful naked woman walked up to you, you wouldn't be scared. You, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, she's going to kill me or whatever. You would just, you would just be kind of stunned and... You'd- You'd be flustered yeah, whether, and, you're, whether you're a smooth operator or not. You know, this would be outside. And of you would be tip. disarmed, you know, especially if like exactly. you had a That's gun or something like that, you know. You'd be disarmed. That's the word for sure. So we see that work to her advantage, certainly in the first part of the movie when she's like <laughs> literally recharging her batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when she kind of goes on the lamb, she starts taking other shapes and... Uh, it's not exactly clear whether she's piggybacking in somebody else's body or taking the shape of some, you know, people lose, they lose time, right? They kind of wake up and they're like, I don't remember, uh, you know, so they're all, their, their memories get sort of wiped too, if they interact with her and, and she doesn't kill them or not. I don't know. It's, it's it happens differently each time. You just have to not think about it too hard. <laughs> Yeah, I have a problem with that. Anyway, yeah. so so, I, but I but I recommend it too. And I think uh, if you wanted to get some popcorn and watch this as a date night movie or something, I think if you're both into the, I mean, watch the trailer. You'll get a sense of it. Um, and if the trailer looks good to you, I think you're going to enjoy it. And if the trailer looks like it's a turnoff somehow, I think the trailer. Obviously, you hear it here. You don't see it. But I think if you watch the trailer on YouTube, you get a very good sense of what you're in for. 
Um, and it's not misleading. It's not no. like the movie is actually extremely boring. And the movie isn't boring. It's a little all over the place, but I liked it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. And like, as you said earlier, uh, it's on HBO. So anybody that has HBO, you can watch it. I don't know if it's free elsewhere, if it's on Prime or anything like that, but it's on HBO. Go ahead if you haven't already. And uh, I have no stake in HBO, but spin up your HBO Max if you're into watching. Um, we got Gal Gadot is back in... Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, that starts in a few days. That. Yeah, yeah, on HBO Max. So, I'm looking forward to that. I don't love the DC stuff, but I she's terrific as Wonder Woman, and uh, this I'm is getting really good reviews yeah. already. So, yeah. So um, next time we're going to stick with the vampire thing, right? Yes. It's Very a, different. It, it's a girl walks home alone at night. Yes. Excellent. I got it right. I have a little trouble with the title. A girl walks home alone at night. It is a Middle Eastern language film. It is from 2014, I think. And I had never heard of it or seen it. And you showed me the trailer and I was like, that looks amazing. It's black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're into it and you're not too busy with crazy Christmas stuff, check out A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, and we'll be on the same page as we discuss it next week. Um, anything else? We're going to end this one a little short. I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, wherever this falls in your listening week, have a very happy holiday season, happy new year, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, whatever, all of them. And uh, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>